You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So you guys have been going through this series, you know, the stories that shape Jesus, and uh, I'm not going to lie, when Eric and Claire came up to me and they were like, yeah, you're going to speak on Elijah, I was like, yes, fireballs, prophecy, fiery chariots, that's super cool. Uh, and then I read the passages, and I was like, oh, this is not that story of Elijah. Um, and so this was an interesting one. I really struggled with this one. I did not know much about this story. Uh, it seemed weird to me. Um, and I was thinking to myself, why in the world is Jesus talking about this story? And so um, I really was like, I had like all of the what I was going to talk about. I knew all the verses I was going to share. I knew kind of like the direction of uh, like what order I was going to put them. But I really was having a a hard time figuring out the context. Like why? Why am I sharing about this? Who who cares about this story and why should we care? And um, I just had this like pressing question in my head as I was reading it like, some of these questions came to mind for myself of like why this was important to me. And I kept thinking, eh, that's not what we're going to talk about. Um, And it took me like up until almost this morning, guys, like seriously, where I really felt like God was just like, yeah, that's the question I want you to talk about. And so as I was reading this, like the question that was just on my heart all the time was why does God answer other people's prayers, but not mine? And I was like, there's no way we could talk about that. That's not cool to talk about in church, right? We're supposed to talk about the good things of God, right? And um, I just really felt that this was the direction we were going to go, and it ended up just being such a cool thing to dive into this. So I want to start off with Luke chapter 4. There's a moment where Jesus goes back to his hometown, okay? He's going back to Nazareth, and basically he gets up to speak at the synagogues. He's at church, and he's doing practically what I'm doing right now. And he picks up a scroll from Isaiah, which would be the same in your Bibles, the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And he basically reads this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So this is where it gets wild because Jesus basically goes, all right, guys, mic drop. Now that I've read this, it's been fulfilled because it's about me. And I'm like, that's, okay, you're crazy, right? Like, could you imagine if right now I read that and I said, all right, everyone here, you just witnessed a miracle because that was about me. You guys all think I'm crazy, right? I can see Claire right now, if that happened, she'd be like, Kyle, you're done. Um, But that's kind of what happened to Jesus. They do the same thing. They basically say, dude, you're out of line. Dude, you're, you're out of here. We're done. And they try to cast him out, but this is how Jesus responds. He picks up in Luke 4, 24. He says, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. 
I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. Now, so what he's talking about here is Elijah gets sent out, and we're going to dive into that story. But he doesn't get sent to Israel where people who believed in the Lord would be. He gets sent somewhere else. And so Jesus is saying here that there were probably people in, in Israel that probably would have offered him a place to stay. They're like him. They were also believing the same things. And so, when this, and so in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, there was a severe famine throughout the land. Hold on to that. Remember that part. There's a lack of food, a lack of water, and all that stuff. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. So this is important because that would be a region that doesn't believe in God. That would be a region that believes in all these idols. Maybe you've heard of some of them. There's, there's Mot, Ashtoreth, Baal's kind of the big one that people talk about in the Bible. Um, and so I want to look at that story. Why is Jesus saying that this story is important and not necessarily all the other ones in this moment? And so if we go to 1 Kings 17.1, it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba and Gilead, said to Ahab, Ahab was a king at the time, who did not like Elijah. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So this is what made me ask that first question, guys. This made me go, why is it that Elijah can say there's gonna be a drought for three years and God just goes, sure, why not? And so you guys don't have to jump to this one because we're going to be real quick in this. But in James 5, 17 and 18, it talks about how Elijah didn't ask for God to bring this drought. He kind of declares it. And so in verse 17, it says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. That's a big deal right there. Even as we are. It's talking about us. We're just like Elijah. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Verse 17 makes it really clear that we're just like Elijah. This is where I started asking myself that question again. Why? Why is he answering his prayers but not mine if we're so similar? If our prayers are the same as his, our prayers are just as strong as the prophets in the Bible. So if we read right before these verses, James helps gives us a little more of the hints about why Elijah's prayers were answered. And so um, it also gives a, a couple of ways of how we could grow in our prayer life. And so James 5, 13 through 16 says this, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective this is where I actually started to get angry at God. I, I couldn't take it anymore, this question of like, okay, seriously, Elijah does this, I do those things. This is what we do. We did a, like half these things tonight already. 
right? We prayed, we did worship, we're gonna go to small groups, all these things. So why is it that I'm doing all those things in my life, but God doesn't always answer my prayers? And so I started to get really angry. I was like, if Elijah and I are so similar, why could he declare a drought, but God wouldn't heal my mom? Is he so much more righteous than me? Verse 15 says, prayer and faith heals. Did I not pray hard enough? Does God care more about a drought that hurt thousands rather than the desperate cries of who he calls his child? Uh Uh-oh, got a little real right there, huh? At this point, I fully jumped into this. I wanted what Elijah had. So let's look at all the ways Elijah followed God and why God did bring the miracles. So we're gonna jump from Kings, 1 Kings 17, 7 is where we're gonna start from now. We're gonna jump a little bit ahead. So Elijah's been waiting at this brook. That's where he's been drinking his water and surviving in this drought. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Okay, I got some lights on my face, so I can't really see everyone, but, like, there's a couple people here I haven't met, right? I haven't met you, right? Yeah. What if I just walked up to you randomly and I said, go get me some water? Yeah, you. Yeah, you're laughing because you're like, he doesn't know me. Um, And I was just like, go get me some water, please. And then you get up and do it, and I was like, oh, and also a pizza and a double cheeseburger and any food you could bring me. That's weird, right? Like, who does Elijah think he is? And so I like her response. She says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son. That way we may eat it and die. Okay, what? So basically she's saying here, like, they don't have any more food. They're running out. She's gathering the last bit of stuff to make so that she can make her food. They can have one more meal, and then she has no idea what to do next. And she also says, as surely as the Lord, your God lives. There's a little bit of spiciness in there. She's like, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, not another religious fanatic telling me how to live my life. And so Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. Okay. So now she's saying, I got enough for one thing of food left. He goes, that's perfect. You can make it for me. What? And then he's like, but don't worry, there will be enough for you to eat after me. This seems really backward to me, right? But then Elijah continues on and says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day, until the, day the Lord sends rain on the land. So what does she do? She went away and did as Elijah told her. That's pretty bold, actually. So there was food every day 
for Elijah and for the woman and her family. Now, what's crazy here is it says every day. That means this happened more than once. This wasn't just a one-time thing. So God's working in the background here, and we don't see it yet in the story, but there's something really crazy going on with God and the heart of the woman. God's provisions is a direct attack in this culture of their idol, Baal. Baal would be their God of nature. And as they're praying to Baal for rain, God is sitting here going, no, you're gonna wait three years because Baal can't answer you. I can. And so this is something that would have caught the widow's attention. This is, this is something that is miraculous. So, sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? So that seems a little like a bummer, right? Like, all right, cool, we just made it through one miracle of having a bunch of food, but oh, guess what? Kid still dies. Why? And so... This is the second time that I think her words are a little bit of attack against Elijah. She calls him man of God, but I think it's mocking. I think she's saying, if your God's so good, why is this happening? I don't think she seems very convinced that God's in control here. So Elijah says this, give me your son. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. This is the second time that God is directly mocking the idols of this culture. Mot is supposed to be the God of death. And God said no. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. This is a huge deal. It seems small. But this is the first time in the Bible someone who is not Jewish is shown declaring that the Lord is in control. God's provision proves his heart is not just for the people of Israel, but for everyone. And this is foreshadowing his fight later on in the New Testament where they start to reach everyone. So again, why did Elijah's prayers get answered? Well, I found in John 14, 12, and 13, this is something that Jesus says directly. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, that's it, that's an easy prerequisite. That is including every person in this room. All you have to do is believe in him. That's the prerequisite. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Elijah's prayers were answered because he was praying what was on God's heart. 
He was in tune to what God wanted, not necessarily what Elijah wanted. So here's the analogy I like to give. All right, let's say I go to the store, right? And I walk in and I'm like, hello, I would like to buy a TV, please. And their response is, sir, this is a Wendy's. (laughs) Right? Like, they're not going to give me a TV. (laughs) But if I went over to a Best Buy and I said the same thing and said, hey, I'd like to buy a TV, please. And they go, yeah, sure, let's go get you one. And so the example I'm giving, like, the reason I'm saying that is because it's not about being more righteous in the way we ask God questions. But sometimes we ask God for prayers that just simply aren't in his business. Like, if I were to say, God, please let that girl in my biology class two seats away from me love me, it's not going to happen, guys. And I know half you high school guys here have definitely prayed that. <laughs> yeah, I, hear, I hear all you adults, too, laughing. You all know it's true. Um. But the more things we do that was mentioned earlier in those verses in James, the more we can be in tune with what God wants us to pray for. We can pray, we can worship, we can be in community. These are all ways that we'll start to see what God wants from us. And honestly, guys, I wish I could just give you a list of things you can check off to know if your prayers are in tune with God. But it doesn't work that way. Learning what God wants is just like any relationship. It's not checkboxes, it's intentional communication to understand. The more we tune, I'm sorry, the more in tune we can be with God and knowing what things we pray about will be answered. That's That's how we could see this. Like the more in tune we are, the more we're gonna have prayers that we're going to see yeses from God because there's no reason for him to deny that. And so God answers Elijah, not for Elijah. He answers all of Elijah's prayers to reach the widow. And sometimes I feel like it's really easy to read this story and think we should be like Elijah. We should be the ones needing to follow God's plan to make sure the miracles happen. And don't get me wrong, at times that's true. At times that is our role. I think more often than not, we're actually the widow in this story. We're the ones that God is laying down miracle after miracle just to get our attention just to bring us closer to him and so I think God answers Elijah because he's so desperately trying to reach the widow his child to be in connection with himself and he wants the same with us so before we go into small groups and stuff I just want to pray us out God, thanks for this time. Thanks for these students. Thanks for just all the the fun games we get to do, all the worship, all the community. And just thanks for letting us have a good time tonight. Lord, I just pray that this time coming up with small groups is really intentional. Um, And I just pray that questions get asked, questions get answered. Um, And I just pray that people see you.